New Steelers defensive lineman Keanu Benton says Mike Tomlin wants goons. We'll talk about what that means, also the brother aspect, and why the Steelers keep picking brothers to play on the same team, and how that may relate to Joey Porter Jr., even though we're talking about his dad. To join me today, we'll talk about that, that with Jenna Harner from Channel 11 WPXI. I'm your host, Chris Carter. It's the Locked On Steelers podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcast app, and especially you can find this on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it on YouTube. Subscribe to this channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And as I said before, we're joined today by Jenna Harner of Channel 11 WPXI. Jenna, always happy to have you on, especially on Fridays. How you doing, Jenna? Chris, I'm glad to be back on a Friday. We've had a couple odd weeks, the draft shaking what felt like everything up. But hey, now we officially know who the new members of the Steelers are. We get to see them in person with rookie minicamp in like a week and a half. And that's going to be incredibly exciting. So there's a lot of excitement ahead. Before we get into the point that I make here, I have to bring up something that we did last week. And that was our contest for picking mock drafts. That's right. And so I went through the results. And yeah. as you know, the, the way that we were doing this was I would you get a point for if you pick the player to the right team and a point for the player to the right spot that they were picked in. So like one, two, three, et cetera, like, like that. Looking back at this, we both had the, the, the top three in the same score. Uh, both got the first two right. Then Will Anderson was the right pick, but not the right team. So we, we both had that. Yeah. But you won coming out in the buzzer because – we both um, we both had we both had similar guys going down the line here. Um, I had Broderick Jones, which was a which was a point for me. We both had Zay Flowers exactly correct him going to the Ravens at twenty two. I had um, I had Felix Anudiki Uzoma going to the Chiefs, which is a great point for me. But you had both uh, Brian Brzee going to the Saints and Miles Murphy going to the Bengals. So Jenna, if you had victory sunglasses on, I'd tell you to wear them because you, you beat me in my mock draft game. So congratulations. Thank you so much. And also <laughs> when I gave my official prediction on channel 11 WPXI for a draft show, I said, Joey Porter Jr. seems like, you know, the option if he's going to be there at 17. But I said, potentially, don't be surprised if the Steelers try to trade up somewhere in that 13 to 15 round to get Broderick Jones. And what happened, Chris? What happened? Well, you know, you, you just listened to my prediction, and that's what got, that's what got you there. Because I did say they were trading up to 14 for Broderick Jones. But mm-hmm. let's let's get into this. Again, congratulations to you for that. <laughs> but let's get into the, this aspect here. So back when Keanu Benton was initially interviewed by the press and he had his phone call and he was, he was talking to members of the media, uh, you know, after he was first drafted, one of the things he talked about was what Mike Tomlin wanted in quote-unquote goons. He said, quote, uh, talking to Coach Tomlin, the main thing that I had taken away from that was that he wants goons out there, and he wants somebody to come out there who's not afraid to get their nose dirty, and I feel like I'm the best option for that guy. And 
that was something that Benton said. And we've talked about the physicality, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But Mike Tomlin also said afterwards when you know he was asked, I was like, that's an accurate description, but I'm going to give him some media training so he can keep some of our conversations private. <laughs> and so that was rather funny that Mike Tomlin – Mike Tomlin wants goons, but goons aren't – like, you know, guys that are act that are here to hurt you or injure you. They're here to bully. They're here to be the more physical person on the football field. Keanu Benton, I think, fits that bill, as does Broderick Jones, as does Joey Porter Jr. as a cornerback, as does Darnell Washington. And I think it's going to be the identity of the Steelers when this team starts to mature. I could not agree more. I also had to laugh at Mike Tomlin's facial reaction because <laughs> you could tell we don't see him flustered in that way. And he was definitely a little flustered and he's like, yeah, that'd be correct. But I'm going to talk to him. That was clearly something I guess he may not have wanted everybody to know as part of their intimate conversation, which is understandable. But that is seemingly the way the Steelers are going to look to do things. And I know there's so much talk and so much discussion about when Andy Weidel came over, how he was such a big part of building the foundation of the Eagles in the trenches and having those, you know, mean mug guys up front that are just going to win those mono mono battles. We always hear Mike Tomlin talk about, but you can really see just the identity that they're taking in the guys they brought in in free agency and the guys that they drafted. I've been watching a little bit of Georgia film to kind of get more of an idea of what Broderick Jones and what Darnell Washington bring. And oh my goodness, boy, is it fun just to kind of watch some of those rivalry games because that's a big thing with what Andy Wada likes to do too. He likes to mm -hmm. watch those rivalry games to see how guys kind of come out and play against their rivals. And there are plays because Darnell Washington and Broderick Jones line up really close to each other on the line, depending on the situation, depending on what part of the game, depending on what look and scheme they're going with. But you'd see like Darnell Washington laying a block and this guy just running into him as a brick wall. And then you see Broderick Jones like down the field, five mm -hmm. to seven yards, just pancaking a guy. This is what the Steelers are going to look to do. They're going to look to be tough mean intense up front on both sides on the offensive and defensive lines and that's going to be something that i feel like a lot of fans are really really going to see as the season progresses here i i agree and i think this is also again very good for what the steelers are trying to be because when we talked about the steelers and what they want to be and i talked more about this yesterday when we when i talked about Najee harris and how i think this draft class and some of the free agency moves are really going to open up the doors for Najee harris to have a big season for the steelers yeah. but also i think one thing that's going to happen here is that, is that being physical on all sides of the ball that's what the steelers have been about and there's mm -hmm. certain players who have been about that tj watt is extremely physical cam hayward is extremely physical yeah. Mika fitzpatrick when he has the chance to is extremely physical, but they didn't have the physically dominant guys. Like Kevin Dotson likes to be physical, but isn't one of the stronger guys who can take over the, over the left guard position, which is why I think they got Isaac Samalo. Um, you know, Ch Chukuma Korfor, big, and I think he's still learning how to use his size, but he's not overly physical. He doesn't dominate people at the line of scrimmage. They want dominators. They want guys who will own their space on either side of the ball and make it so that the Steelers get back to controlling the line of scrimmage. If you look back to 2021, they finished dead last in rush, rushing defense. If you look back to 2020, they finished dead last in rushing offense. The Steelers need to get back to controlling those sides. If not being the best in the league, being among the top 10 in, in both departments. That's who they've always been. And if they're able to control that, it makes everything else around them easier. It makes, it makes Kenny Pickett's job 
easier passing the ball because people can't just predict that he's going to be throwing the ball on each possession. It makes the cornerback's job that much easier because they're able to just focus on their jobs and not come. And, and if they're coming up and run support, they know it's because they've got guys in front of them who are handling their business. It makes the pass rushers job on the like TJ Watt and Alex Heisman easier because they can get in more predictable pass rushing situations. It all feeds off each other. And I think feeds into what the, uh, what the identity will be for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If all of these things work out. And it feels like they're kind of going back to their roots a little bit, right? Like I know you touched on it a tiny bit, but it feels like they're going back to the way that the Steelers, I don't want to say the way that the Steelers played football, but the way that Steelers fans know they play football when there's winning teams and when there's teams that are making the playoffs, winning playoff games, going to the AFC championship, going to the Super Bowl. This is their identity. They're a team that can run the ball really well and a team that's really physical, really intense, and kind of wins that battle of attrition, wins those battle of wills that we always hear the coaching staff, various people on the staff talk about where, you know, these guys are saying, hey, it's one-on-one, you're going against me, and I'm not going to let you win that battle. And that's kind of regardless, across, or, you know, that's kind of across the board, regardless of what position they are. It's everybody from Cam Hayward to guys in the secondary to guys on the offensive line to even wide receivers or tight ends when they're blocking. Like, you can just see the makeup of what this front office wants this Steelers team to be and the direction that they want them to go in. And I think this is a really great foundation and it's definitely gonna be something that's built on no doubt about that but this is a really good foundation to kind of get back to those old school quote-unquote Steelers ways I agree entirely we'll have more discussions about this as the offseason goes on rookie minicamp will start next week so we'll get our first looks at what the Steelers start to look like um there on there on the field so we'll get to that uh moving forward but I want to talk to you about something else that Mike Tomlin specifically spoke out about on Steelers social media and that was why the Steelers keep bringing in brothers, uh, not just in the draft, but in free agency. It's something that they actually do strategize for. There's reasons for it. Mike Tomlin talked about that, and we'll also play that into the into, into how Joey Porter Jr. will be received in the Steelers locker room. All that and more right here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. But first, before we do any of that, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at Built Bar. Built Bar, of course, is the number one protein bar in America if you want a delicious treat that gives you all, all of the taste but none of the fat and the calories – this is where you got to go for Built Bar. Built Bar gives you also all these different flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, and so many more. And they all come wrapped in 100% chocolate covering each and every Built Bar. And again, even though it's 100% chocolate, even though you're getting all these different flavors in there, Built Bars only pack 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, but somehow fit 17 grams of protein. So you get your gains without none of the waste. And if you've wanted to get Built Bar, but you didn't want to go to Built.com, guess what? You can go to your local Sam's Club or Walmart today and pick some up right from the store in your local area. If you head to your nearest Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, you can pick up 4 bar boxes of Built Bars with flavors like cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you want to go to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of, of Built Bars with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. Trust me, when you try Built Bars, you'll thank me later because you'll be trying Built Bar, the best protein bar in America. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Jenna Harner from Channel 11 WPXI here in Pittsburgh. Jenna, Let's talk about some of this, this aspect here because we've known the Steelers like brothers. They've 
the brothers have been their thing for quite some time. The Edmonds brothers were around for, forever in Terrell and uh, Terrell and uh, Trey Edmonds, who, who were on who were on the team for a while. Then the Watt brothers were a thing with T.J. Watt and Derek Watt. Then the Hayward brothers. There were also the, the Davis twins who were brought in as undrafted free agent in a, se- in a seventh round pick. Uh, and now bringing in the Herbig brothers, Nate and Nick Herbig. Nate brought in in free agency. And of course, everyone, when they saw him, they said, there's a brother of his in the NFL draft. The Steelers aren't going to. Yes, they are going to. They went and got Nick Herbig, his brother, in the draft. But Mike Tomlin talked about four components here that that play into why the Steelers do this. And it made sense. So I want to break these things down and get your thoughts on, on this, Jenna. The first point part here, he said, comes to genetics it's just the natural size speed and agility that require that are required to be good at football and it's a very slim pickings in, across like all the people in in the country how many people have the right genetic makeup to play certain positions in football that just require you to not only be big but also strong athletic and know how to use that size in in that specific way he also talked about the environmental component and how many of these players if they grew up with a father or they grew up with a brother or they grew up with a mom anyone in their house who was athletically competitive Having someone in your home who could push you in that way, challenge you, or if you had you know siblings who were challenging, you could challenge each other in the backyard. He talked about basketball games in the in the Watt family. Those type of things help you grind better as a as a young person and develop the the motor skills that you need going into being a high school football player and then a college player and then a professional player. He also talked the mindset and talked about how he remembers when he was looking at JJ Watt when he was a when he was coming out in the NFL draft. He remembers twelve year old TJ Watt sitting there with spiky hair and just watching JJ Watt just go through the process of hey. This is, you know, this is real. This isn't some big dream that, you know, if someday a, a rainbow comes over over my life that I can hit. No, it's a tangible thing that if I have real aspirations, I can work to and touch. And then finally, he also said the brotherhood it fosters between the family environment. He talked about when Cam Hayward saw Connor Hayward score a touchdown last year. The whole team was there for him because they were like, we love to see that moment for you and your brother. He talked about how, you know, so many mornings the Watt brothers would eat. Uh, oatmeal together and it would be always be the same oatmeal in the same spot and the team kind of rallied around that at times and would join them and, and how the environment that created and jenna all this adds up to i think the steelers they they've always talked about the familial environment that comes with this locker room and this organization but i really think this also helps them kind of recultivate what it will mean to be in the Steelers locker room to be part of the Steelers to kind of keep that trajectory, that, that kind of idea moving forward with the trajectory they're building with this new core. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we always hear about too across the Steelers facility is football is family. And what more perfect example than when you actually have family members on the same team. But I think what's really cool too, is when you look at the brotherly aspect and I'll give a full disclaimer here, I'm the older sister in my family. I just have a younger brother. So I don't know what it's like to have that older sibling. Mm-hmm. I am the older sibling, but you, when it seems like Having that older brother, it's someone that sets an example for you, someone who paves the way. It's someone who says, hey, here's how I do it. Now I'm giving you the tools to go out there and do it better than I did. And you see that getting passed down. You see when we hear J.J. Watt talk all the time, I feel like something that really sticks out in my mind is when he was talking about 
um, TJ after TJ won defensive player of the year two years ago. And he was just saying, you know, I I always knew he would be better than me. I always knew he'd be able to do it better than I did. And it's just so cool to kind of see that. But you have that player who's setting an example for you. You know, TJ and Derek grew up looking up to T or TJ and Derek grew up looking up to JJ. I got to make sure I got all the J's and the T's correct. (laughs) Um, You know, JJ was that example for them. Same way that we see Cam Hayward being that example for Connor Hayward. And there are times I feel like we talked to him a bunch about this when they drafted Connor. I'm sure we'll talk to um, Nate Herbig about his younger brother, Nick, as well in this same fashion. But Cam was telling us about Connor, you know, hey, there are definitely times where I'm going to get on him and say, hey, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. This is how we do it. But there are also times where I'm going to give him, you know, the tough love in that way and kind of have that brotherly bond. But you do see it just in football itself. These guys are teammates. They're brothers. And when you actually Mm -hmm. have tangible brothers, I mean, that was their team growing up. You know, the Watts would go out in the backyard and play. The Haywards would go out in the backyard and play. I'm sure the Herbigs also went out in the backyard and played. And I want to, what's the age difference between Nate and Nick? Just so I have it in my, it's like seven, six, seven, somewhere in that range. I feel like I should. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me pull it up real quick just to be sure. Just, just because sure Nick, Herb, Nick Herbig played four years in college. So I would assume he's 22 years old. He's 21. Cool. He, uh, right. he was born in 2001. Nate Herbig is 24. So only three years. Okay. So only, I mean, even, I feel like that's even kind of better. You know, you have the guy who's only three years ahead of you. I'm interested to see. They definitely probably played on the same high school team. So you kind of just had that, you know, Hey, they were out in the backyard. They were each other's team, but then they've been teammates for so long that now once again, they're teammates and they get to just learn and kind of follow in that footsteps of, Hey, I'm setting the example for you. This is how you go out there and do it. And this is how you go out there and be better at it. I, I agree. Okay, I got to ask, Jenna, you, being an older sister, I'm an older brother as well. Okay. Being an older sister, Jenna, did you ever did you ever like make sure that your brother knew like you was better at stuff? There he he jokes cuz all the time he's like you're the golden child. I'm like that's not true. I'm not the golden child. No. <laughs> uh, I love him. Love him to death. But there are definitely times I mean again as the older sibling, you do want to set the example. You do want them to know right from wrong and you know, you teach them the lessons sometimes your parents kind of look to you to teach and I think that can be kind of a perfect example too where Mike Tomlin isn't going to have to worry about Connor Hayward or Nick Herbig or you know TJ Watt learning the little things because those are already going to be instilled in him. And if not, again, we see this kind of with Cam and Connor as a perfect example. And I'm sure we'll see this with the Herbig brothers too, but older brothers are going to say, Hey, get in line here. That's not how you do this. See, there's also that part. And that part's the, that, that part is the moral high ground. The, this is the part where you're supposed to be the leader there, but there's also times when you take advantage of like you, you, you go like Cam Hayward, make sure Connor Hayward had some rough days there. He's just like, yep. I'm going to haze him a little bit here. Like, and Jenna, you were an athlete. I didn't know if you ever were like, nah, son, get out of here. Like you're not beating me until you actually can beat me. I'm never letting you feel like you win. You can win. And I never did that to my sister on like a physical standpoint, but like anybody who knows me used knows I used to be a gamer. I don't have time to really play games anymore. But I used to be really good at like Madden, different games. Tekken was like our family game. We love this family, this family fighting game. My sister could never beat me. I never let her beat me because I'm like, the day that you beat me is the day that you earn it and you know you got it. And all throughout, all throughout my high school, when I went away for college, you know, I, I was, I had my, I had my skills and everything. When I came back from college after just one year, 
my sister ran all for all her friends in that video game. She could beat anybody. And like, and then they, she told everybody, she's like, yeah, my brother used to really annoy me in this game. So I'm very good at it because he annoyed me. And not that video games are fit, football games, but there is that element of like competitive space, especially when you're an athlete, yep. you want to be better than the person in front of you. That's a big part of why you get into being an, an, an athlete. And I think that that's something that absolutely plays into that environment aspect that Mike Tom is talking about. It's not just that you're around somebody who, who who's working and, and, and doing this, this, this way of life, but you're around someone who wants to beat you and you want to beat them. And that yeah. natural relationship, the iron sharpens iron thing that Mike Tomlin always talks about. Yeah. That's part of your life, not just part of your, your profession. And I think that is absolutely part of that competitive aspect that the Steelers want to get to when they're bringing people that are family into their organization. Iron sharpens iron, a phrase that Broderick Jones dropped in his introductory news conference. And I immediately looked across the room to Mike Tomlin, who's just sitting there absolutely grinning. I'm like, he loved that. He loved that reference there. No doubt about that. Absolutely. That's, (laughs) That's Mike Tomlin to a T. Also, I got to say, Mike Tomlin on video doing an Instagram video like the where he's talking about these things. It's funny to watch him kind of be the old man, kind of figuring out how technology works. You can see him kind of being like, good afternoon. I'd like to, uh, you know, get into this like like he's not in front of the podium anymore and he's trying to come off as natural, but he's still being the Mike Tomlin that you and I talk to. Yep. And to give everybody a little insight there, that is exactly how Mike Tomlin is during his press conferences. I'm sure a lot of you watch them on, you know, Steelers Live and, you know, all your local stations and stuff, but that is exactly how he is. So I turn, when I watch that Instagram video, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sitting in the press room on a Tuesday afternoon at like 1215. This is it. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to talk about how though, how this will play into Joey Porter Jr.'s situation, because he he doesn't have a brother on the team, but he did have a dad who won a Super Bowl with the team as a player, came back and coached with the team and obviously has obvious ties to this organization and to Mike Tomlin. We'll talk about that in a minute here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Stick with us. I'm your host, Chris Carter here with Jenna Harner. We'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Jenna Harnerch of Channel 11 WPXI. Jenna, let's get into the Joey Porter Jr. aspect of this, because we've talked about how he, he his gameplay. We talked about, you know, what he did in college. But talking about the aspect of there's going to be natural pressure on him, I think, heaped upon him by being, you know, Joey Porter's son, Joey Porter Sr., was a star for the Steelers. He was a he was a face of the team at time. I mean, there's there, there'll always be the legendary picture of when Jerome Bettis ran out of the tunnel to Super Bowl 40. Joey Porter Sr. was the guy holding back the entire team with his arms, saying, like, no, we're not we're not gonna do this. He was the guy that forced the entire team to wear uh uh, uh Jerome Bettis jerseys on the plane to the Super Bowl, to which Troy Polamalu even said, You have to know how much I actually care about people to ever wear a Notre Dame jersey being that I went to USC. And like <laughs> yeah. Troy Polamalu never had pride, but he said that was the one moment where he was like really challenged by it. But Peasy got him to wear it. Yeah. And there's legends and, you know, the, 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 they, they shot me in Denver, all the things that Joey Porter seniors tied to, but Joey Porter Jr. is his own man. And that is not always easy to deal with the pressure of doing that. And he's dealt with it. He's dealt with it as a high school player. He dealt with it at Penn State when everyone knew who he was by by way of his name. But those were different because they weren't the same place, the same city, the same team that his father played for. How do you see this working out for Joey Porter Jr.? Will this be an asset to him? Or will this be something that could be maybe in the way of 
anything that he's trying to get better at with, with the Steelers. I think this will be an absolutely incredible asset to him just specifically because he knows the Steeler way. This is a kid who grew up around the Steelers facility. This is a kid who, when he was walking into the Steelers facility for his introductory press conference to us last week, that, you know, hours after he had been drafted, he took him so long to get up to the media room because every single person in that organization, in mm-hmm. that building, from the security guards to the guys at the front desk, to scouts, to people in the building, to people in the cafeteria, to members of the Steelers, um, the the Steelers writing team and video team. Everyone stopped to tug him and to congratulate him because they knew him. They watched him grow up in this facility. So this is a kid who knows what it's like to be a Steeler because he was around it 24-7. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like somebody asked him this too about mm-hmm. he was, and again, I've only been here in Pittsburgh for three years. I know a lot of the stories, but some of those underlying ones I'm hearing for the first time but he you know when he's 12 years old is out on the field doing drills with Antonio Brown and working with some of these other receivers and just working out there with the professionals as basically a kid he wasn't even a teenager yet you know obviously during training camp and stuff guys get to go out there and family members get to be part of that but he knows this organization through and through and we talk about examples we talk about mentors what better mentor to have than his dad who did it? Then his dad, who was there, I'm sure too, you saw the NFL films clip. Absolutely. Where after he didn't go in the first round, his dad's saying, you know, hey, he's giving him a pep talk and stuff like that. Having a guy in that position for those moments, because he knows he's going to be able to handle the easy moments really well. But those hard moments, I think that's going to play to his benefit so well, just because his dad's going to be like, hey, this is really hard. This is how you handle this, though. And I'm sure he's going to make his own spin on it and he's going to make his own flavor. But that's a huge aspect. He knows what to expect. He knows how to come in. He knows all of the, you know, how to cross his T's and dot his I's because his dad's going to make sure he does that. I mean, the you're right. The, the video of him, his dad talking to him while he was dealing with not being a first round pick and, to, and his, his dad talked about the motivation to use yeah. that. And to now they've made something they've made something here. But also the videos of him wa- working with him when he was younger in a, in, a, in a treadmill in their house and just saying, you know, just pushing him consistently. That's part of what Mike Tomlin's talking about with the familial aspect and how yeah. having someone to push you all the time, because it's one thing to show up to work, to do the work. And to kind of and to kind of, you know, do your work there, be really good at your job and then to go home. But if you you have a, a situation in your family growing up when you're getting when you're doing that as a high school athlete or even before that and you're coming home and then you see someone else working and you want to be better than them. So you work with them or a person who says, hey, that's not enough to, to, to get it done, to just do the job there and to come home and then relax and watch TV or do something like that. You have to kick it into this extra gear. And I think that's what Joey Porter Sr. has helped lay out for Joey Porter Jr. So I agree with you. It's an asset. And I think that it's, it's natural for people to ask the question, hey, like, is this going to be a thing? Because there's certainly time that, you know, when someone comes to a place where they are beloved there and they feel welcome, they, they might feel like, you know what, I don't need to work as hard because people are going to love me anyways. I don't need to. I, I've, I've been given this or I've been in this position. I'm fine. I don't need to go the extra mile. I think Joey Porter Sr. has instilled the idea into Joey Porter Jr. that he has to get better. And that's what everyone talked about. Terrell Austin talked about how this kid just wants to get better all the time. I talked to people who study his Penn State tape, just like I studied his Penn State tape. And we can all agree, you go back and look at the 2020 version of Joey Porter Jr. when he was first coming on the field, he made so many mistakes. 
He erased so many of those mistakes by just his second year, let alone this last year when he got to play more in college football. And he'll keep doing that in his career. And when you see that trajectory, those are things that coaches love because it shows that, A, one, you're you have attention to detail, but B, you care about your game a lot and to him keep improving those aspects. And you're not going to settle for who you are, which to me said, says that anyone who does think that this, that Joey Porter Jr. is just going to be a nepotism kid who doesn't develop into anything with the Steelers because he thinks he's owed something here. I think that's way off base. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I also think, too, something that's really interesting is we heard him talk about it in his press conference when he was selected in the second round. But He's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. He's frustrated. He felt like he deserved to go in the first round. And I think a lot of people would have agreed. And obviously the board fell the way that it did. But he looks at that as a little bit of a slight. And he looks at that as motivation. And I think that's going to be an even bigger picture or an even bigger factor. Because if, you know, the Steelers have decided to stay pat at 17 and go with Joey Porter Jr., I still don't think things would be different, but you could look at it in a different way where it's like, okay, this was a first round pick. This was, you know, family origins, all the type of stuff, all the narratives that were out there before the draft actually happened and with what people thought was going to happen. But now he's coming in here saying, I was a first round talent, rightfully so. I, you know, feel a little slighted that I wasn't in the first round and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to prove to people that I was. And I think that's also only going to benefit the Steelers as well. But I I just think that this notion a little bit that there might be nepotism going on or anything in that way is, uh, is a little tough. And why also not look at that as like, this is an advantage. They know this player inside and out they Mm -hmm. watched him grow up they they don't have questions about his character there's no questions because they know everything that there is to know and they've seen him go through adversity throughout his life they know how he's going to handle stuff you know you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of insight and that's going to be something that i feel like is used to their benefit more than looking at it like oh well of course they were going to pick him because he's joey porter's son i agree it's not as simple as oh it's just it seems like a good story there are legit reasons that play into the factors that they look for in players to make them better. And to be fair, most of the guys they brought in have been assets. You know, yeah. Terrell Edmonds wasn't, you know, a guy who proved to be, I think, a, a top tier first round pick, but he was a solid player and a very great athlete, just didn't fit into the safety position that well. But he was a great athlete who fit them for several years. Uh, his brother came in and was a good special teamer. TJ Watt is TJ Watt. <laughs> Derek, Derek Watt was a good fullback for them. Cam yeah. Hayward is Cam Hayward. Mm-hmm. Connor Hayward had a very good rookie season. Yep. I think you can look, you look at the Herbig brothers and you get another chance to say, hey, let's see how these guys come in and push each other and what environment that they cre- help create for the Steelers. All of it plays into, I think, what they're trying to do and trying to reset how they're going to be in their identity as they get back to being a real NFL contender. Jenna, thanks so much for joining us here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Well, Chris, thank you for having me. As always, I love chatting with you and having some fun discussions. You can find me on Twitter at Jenna Harner 11. I just forgot my Twitter handle for a second, even though it's right in front of me. Um, You can find me uh, on Instagram, Jenna underscore Harner and on WPXI channel 11. Um, Stay tuned. we got some really cool feature stories coming up. So uh, definitely keep your eyes posted for that. I'll post them on my socials as well. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jenna. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here at the Locked On Steelers podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can also read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com, to get all my pit coverage of everything there, Pitt Athletics. You can also find this show, the Locked On Steelers podcast, Monday through Friday, every day, breaking things down on your Pittsburgh Steelers. We thank you for making us your first listen every day. Check us out on all your favorite podcasting apps, and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed Subscribe to this channel for all our episodes. We'll be back Monday with more talk on your Pittsburgh Steelers right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast.